Welcome to Eavesdrop. Here's your host, Matt Cozy. Welcome back to Eavesdrop. The tables have turned on our next guest as he is someone who has interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of people in his career. He is Joe Stevenson, sports writer for the Northwest Herald, and now we're going to interview him. Joe, thanks for being on the show. Matt, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm uh, flattered that you thought of asking me to come on. Absolutely. So what have the last, I'm going to start with recent developments here. What have the last eight months been like without covering live events or minimal live events, which is your uh, coverage area? And you also stepped into news a little bit uh, throughout this pandemic as well. So what has this been like, you know, pivoting to different things uh, over the last several months as a reporter? Yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's been really tough. And let me preface this by saying, what, however tough it was on me, I felt way, I felt hundreds times worse for the athletes that lost their spring seasons. You know, the, the, those kids, especially the seniors, but, you know, for them to lose their whole season, it was a lot tougher on them, and I felt horrible for them. But from our aspect, you know, we quit – we didn't have any sports to write about and we quit writing for a while and, and we were doing uh, the sports guys were tossed into the news and we were doing COVID stories and, and other features and stuff. Now I will say this, there, there were some other features that came up and there were some, some of those stories about the pandemic that were really, really interesting. And there were other days that you're out of your element a little bit and it was really a grind. Um, but again, I don't want to feel too sorry for myself. I felt way worse for the kids. But yeah, it, it was tough for us. And then the summer came and I took my usual, uh, I, I just take all my vacation in the summer and just enjoy playing with my dogs and doing whatever, you know, being outside. And, and then when I came back in August, I was thrilled, first of all, that the IHSA was going to allow cross-country golf, girls swimming and girls tennis. I, I was disappointed that there wasn't football and volleyball and boys soccer, but I was just thrilled that we had something to cover again. And I, so I, you know, I was okay with that. And it, it was really fun just to go out and see some cross country races. And, you know, I've never watched as much. I watched more girls tennis this fall than I have in my Thirty-one years here at the Northwest Herald, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. There were some really good players around here, and it was just nice to get out and and it was nice to see how happy everybody was, uh, just to just to be able to watch sports again, no matter what it was. And I think I think the other thing was, uh, Matt. I think everybody. Um, I thought I thought everybody really did a nice job, as far as complying. You know, even though you were outside. Just about everybody was wearing the mask when they were supposed to for cross-country races and for tennis. Uh, I mean, so, sometimes if somebody was sitting a long way away from somebody, they had the mask. But I, I thought everybody really did a nice job complying, doing what they were supposed to, just showing how happy they were just to see sports again. I think those handful of events happening gives us a glimpse of the future of prep sport, at least this school year, because we know – it is doable, especially for outdoor stuff. What do you 
personally think is going to happen with the rest of the schedule, whether it's an indoor outdoor sport, it's been put on pause again. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think that I'm hoping that, you know, we get through this and, and the, the winter sports right now are going to be, um, see dance, cheer, girls, gymnastics, which is really fun because Prairie Ridge is like the best team in the state. It's, you know, the, the co-op team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you would have boys swimming and, and boys and girls bowling. And, and I, I'm thinking that those sports you can get through, they are considered low risk. I don't see any reasons why, you know, that we can't get through with some kind of a winter season on those. Then comes the question in the spring, what, what, what spring and spring being this year, February 16th through May 1st, I believe it is. And okay. So that's going to be, that's supposed to be volleyball, football, and boys soccer. So where are we at with those uh, football supposed is considered high risk. Uh, the other two are medium risk and, I hope that we can get through that season. I think if we can get to the spring, then we'll get to see some stuff because I really don't see that track, baseball, softball, boys tennis. um, I really don't think that those would be that much of a problem. Uh, I think they're considered medium or lower risk. We saw a lot of people – playing softball and baseball over the summer. Um, I think that's doable. I, I, I don't know what the situation will be with lacrosse. I, I really think, Matt, that we're probably going to see – this is just my guess. Just from, sure, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't see how football and basketball can be played at the same time because of the athletes and it's for smaller schools. If you start to consider the smaller schools where you're going to have a lot of girls that play volleyball and basketball, you're going to have a lot of boys that play basketball and football. I just don't see how that's going to work in the same season. I think the IHSA may wind up moving basketball to that May, June summer season. Mm. And, you know, we're going to, I, I, I see a, a May and June where we're just going to be inundated with all these sports because if, if wrestling can work, that's when wrestling is already scheduled to join baseball, softball, the tracks, uh, and the other spring sports. Um, I, I, just ha- I just have a feeling that basketball might get tossed in there. That's just my, my own personal thoughts. Um, try, trying to look at it from the IHSA standpoint of, trying to get everybody a season, but I just don't see how basketball and football could work if you're thinking of the smaller schools. Yeah, I think that's a great breakdown. We know that we're not going to have full seasons, so it's going to be a shorter time window regardless. So I think we're all resigned uh, to that fate. We just, we do, we just want to have a season, especially from my perspective as a coach too, um, you know, as, as an educator to, to try to get these, seasons in and I think with with the news of vaccines and treatments even within the last few days I think what looks like uh, how it looks outside our doors uh if you talk about May and June I think it's just going to be a lot better than where we are now 
and I'm an optimist, but I think it could be drastically different and, and for the better at that point. I agree with you, man. I, th- I think I think you're uh, I think you're on the right track there, and and and, and it, yeah, the part of what I'm thinking is, is also hoping that we get this vaccine, we get people, you know, where, where it can be safer, and, and by maybe by May, you know, that's a that's a long time off. Maybe something. It's a maybe long way away. Some, maybe we can get something going by then, and then everybody. I I I really I applaud the IHSA. I think what the IHSA has done this year. It's what what a a monumental task to try to uh, get everybody in. But I, I think the IHSA is doing a, a wonderful job of trying to get everybody a season sometime, you know, it, no matter, even if it's shorter, it, if it's something that that's better than, than not even playing at all. And I think, you know, we, we heard that in the fall with the, uh, you know, the cross country kids and the golf kids and, and it, you know, the IHSA, also, let's remember that they – I wish they would have gone a step further and gone ahead and, and gone with state, but they started off with just regionals and cross-country and golf, and then, you know, the numbers were pretty good. And they're like, well, you know what, let's, let's add a sectional round. And that was great. That was great. I, I, I was really happy that they did that. And, uh, I, you know, I, like I say, I think a state competition could have worked in golf, could have worked in girls' tennis, could have worked in cross-country. Um, where they were running in flights anyway, so there were fewer people on the course at a time. It would have been hard, but I think it was doable. But at, at least we got to the sectional round, and that, that, was, uh, that was really nice. I'm not trying to put on my Cozy A. Smith or Matt Bayless uh, hot take hat on here, <laughs> but I think a full skip of high school football around here would be very detrimental to all the other sports. I think skipping that fully and not, I know they're going to try, but even not getting four or five games in, it would be unfortunate if weather uh, has more of an impact than anything at, at that point in the calendar, but it would be hard to recover from that. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, it, it, it is because I mean, that's, that's the, that's the sport that everybody, I mean, basketball to a point too, but football's the, that's the huge event every week. That's that really gets your school spirit up. And I, I agree. I think it would be really tough and, and it'd be tough financially too. I mean, the schools and the IHSA are, are, are really, are really going to get hit hard, you know, financially from not having, bigger crowds and, and, uh, and, you know, playoff games and state championships. So let's stay in this spot of, of prep sports and how the Northwest Herald has had uh, an impression on, on the coverage of that. Um, are you, are you familiar with the term face of the franchise? Yes. Okay. I consider you the face of the Northwest Herald. <laughs> well, thank you. I, that's, that's very not kind of you to say that. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what an imprint that an impression that that paper and you have made on prep sports. So how, how did that happen? If you kind of look back on it? Okay, well, you can blame my wife, Becky. She's oh, a okay. Crystal Lake South grad. And we met in um, let's see, it was I gotta go. I gotta go back. here. We started going Don't on get this wrong. No, no. Summer of 1986, I was working in Macomb. It was my first daily newspaper job. And I was 
Yeah. I'd been there for about four years and I was looking to move up to a bigger paper. And we started going out that summer. She's a Crystal Lake girl, went to Crystal Lake South and she teaches PE there now. Anyway, I, I took a job at the Quad City Times, which was a great move for me. And I really liked working there. And, but the only problem was I was on the desk and I really, I, I much more enjoyed writing and being out and seeing people and, and telling stories than editing and, and writing headlines and layout. Still, it was, a, it was a great move for me because I was moving up to a bigger paper and it was great training. And anyway, we were up here for Christmas one year and I happened to call the Northwest Herald and lo and behold, they were starting the Sunday paper in March of 1989. They were making some hires in the newsroom and I, I was pretty marketable. I'd been at daily newspapers for about seven years at that time. I've done a lot of different things. I like to think that I made it an easy choice for them, you know, with the experience and what I could bring. And so I came here in January of 1989. And so as far as becoming the, the I'm sorry, you said the face. Yeah, face use it. Face. Yeah. Face, face of the yeah. paper. Well, you know, it, so I, I didn't really... Um, I think it's because your visibility is a big reason. Yeah. And, and see, some people would have, uh, would have seen this as a stepping stone job, but my wife really wanted to be in this area close to her family. And I didn't see it that way. I, I loved it here. I didn't care about moving on because I knew she was happy here and I was happy here and I loved what I was getting to do. I got a chance when I came here to, to get out and write again. And, and I was thrilled about that and so so through the years you know just meeting people getting to know people getting a grasp for the history of the sports in McHenry County um and you know just being here so long that kind of that kind of evolved and you know what I'm I think uh I'm okay with that I think it's pretty cool it it, it helps me to cultivate stories because lots of times people will, they know me, they've, they've read my stuff for quite a while and they'll, uh, they'll give me tips and say, Hey, did you know about this? I said, Oh no. Well, well, thanks a lot. That's a great, that's a great idea. I appreciate it. So, you know, that, uh, I I'm, I'm fine with that. I think it, it's, it's really, uh, it's a nice place for me to be. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, people would, would look at me from that way. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I kind of embrace that. That's fine. So how have your beats changed in your career there? Or has it pretty much been consistent? Well, the biggest change, of course, is technology. Right. Because now everything, everything is so, more, so much more immediate with what we can do. We don't have to wait. We don't wait for the paper to be published we we want to get stuff online or get stuff tweeted out uh immediately and and that's the that's the biggest change is that uh you know when you're at a when i'm at a basketball game a football game i'm trying to get a, a video of a, of a good play you know a three-pointer or a dunk or maybe try to get video of a touchdown and as soon as somebody you know as soon as somebody scores in a football game i'm if I have a video, I'll put it up. If not, I'll just like tweet out the score and who scored and, and try to keep people updated that way. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to do that. Um, you know, same, same thing at basketball games. You know what I love too, Matt, is uh, uh, track meets. When I go to a big track meet in the spring, right. I'll, I'll just video the finish. Oh, and yeah. boom, yeah. okay, here's your, here's your McHenry County 100-meter girls champion. And, and I'll have you know, a little finish of the race and just boom, there you go, tweet it out. You can, it, it's, it's, Twitter's great for that kind of stuff. You know, you can get, um, I, I love doing field events. I, I do field events uh, like uh, the triple jump or, or try to do the pole vault or high jump and do them in slow motion. And it, cool. it, yeah. it looks so it looks so cool in slow motion. A couple of years ago at State Track, I had uh, Mackie Moore from McHenry went six ten. Jeez. And it and, and I and I had, you know, I had I had videos of him going over six ten, and I was I was just, I wasn't as excited as he was, but I was pretty pretty fired up when I got this cool video of this guy going over six ten, you know, in slow motion, and it's like. So, you know, that, that, the, the whole technology thing and the immediacy, um, that, that's the biggest change for us. And what do you think about this market in terms of the appetite for that type of coverage? Because I think the paper has a lot to do with that, but also just the interest level of what you're writing about, I think, has been consistent or it's even increased uh, over the, the last several years. Yeah, well, I, I think, Matt, we're in a good spot because we're, we're really entrenched here in McHenry County and, and with a little bit of cane where we, we now have uh, Hampshire and Dundee Crown in there as well. But I think we're really entrenched and that, that's, that has really helped us through the years where some other papers might be struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. We don't have, I mean, we get some competition and that's good, but we don't have a, a whole lot of competition for, for the, the county as a whole. And I, I think, you know, I'd like to think that through the years, we've done it the right way, we've done it well, and, and people appreciate that. So uh, yeah, I think that, that, you know, that, that is, uh, that's been good. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, you know, favorite stories or favorite people to cover, but I, I think of right away some what I would call, I guess, anchor stories mm-hmm. that have lasted a long time. Like you cover somebody as a high school kid and then you write about them pretty frequently now as adults. Like I'm thinking Evan Jager, Brian Bulaga. Um, what are some of those main anchor stories that, that have really uh, outlasted themselves? Well, you hit the two big ones right there. And you know what's funny, Are those the Matt? biggest? They're probably, they're, yeah, they're probably the biggest. And, okay. and, and you know what's funny? Did you, I don't know if you knew this. I figured this out a, a few years ago. I, I, they are two weeks apart in age. Evan is two weeks exactly older than Brian. Evan's March 8th. Brian is March 22nd. And, and, uh, and, and Brian weighs like twice what Evan weighs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, those are two guys that, Man, the stories they gave us to write about in high school, and and Evan was so good. And then he goes to Wisconsin, and he's only there for one year. And Jerry Schumacher, their distance coach, 
um, he saw something. He, he saw it in Evan, only, only being there for a year. And he's, he, was, he took the job with Nike, and he, said, he told Evan, says, you know what, you, you could do this. You, you, could, you could be a professional. And his parents, he talked to his parents. They trusted Jerry. They really liked Jerry. Jerry is still his coach out in Portland. And, um, and he went out there, and, and he, just, man, he just took off. And that, that's been such a thrill to see him run in two Olympics. And hopefully next summer it will be the third Olympics. And, you know, he, had the, he was a silver medalist in Rio in the 3000 steeplechase. Wow. And then, you know, Brian, you know, goes to Iowa – and starts as a um, starts as a freshman. A, 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 a two or three games in, he just starts and and never came out of the starting lineup. Right. And then you know, is the the highest hit person ever drafted out of uh, out of this area in the NFL draft at twenty, I think it was twenty second to the Packers, and becomes the youngest player to ever start in the Super Bowl. Wins the Super Bowl his rookie year and. It's just – it's been such a thrill to watch his his career. I, you know, some other other stories I think of, you know, Caleb Beattie. Um, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. What year did you graduate? Oh, nine. Okay, so you were a couple years. She was 2000 – she was the 2011-12 school year? I think it was. But, I mean, she won – she set state records in the in the, in the cross, state cross-country meet in 2A – but it was it was the Detweiler course record at that point, and then she went and broke. She was the first girl to ever break ten minutes in the thirty two hundred in Illinois, to win it that year and set the record for that, and then set the record for uh, the sixteen hundred as well. And that that was just a thrill to watch watch what she did her senior year. Um, you know, Josh Freeman won uh, from Cary Grove won state in the shot put and discus his senior year that that was that was thrilling um and you know one of my favorite stories ever was from a a woodstock north kid wolfgang kemp and i don't know if you remember this one but it was about what a name yeah great name um hit four years ago and um the the Woodstock North football coach, Jeff Schroeder, at the early in the year, I, I asked coaches, I said, hey, if you have any feature ideas, he emailed me back. And I'm reading this email, and it says, well, I have an idea. We have a player who's homeless. And immediately, I, I couldn't email him back fast enough. I'm like, yes, yes, coach, I would love to talk to you about this. And come to find out, Wolfgang was a senior that year, and his junior year, uh, the year before, he wanted so badly to be a part of that team. He and his dad lived at the homeless shelter in Woodstock, which is way on the west side of town. He didn't have a ride. He didn't have a bike. He walked five miles every morning to practice and practiced and showered and walked home and didn't tell anybody about it because he just wanted to be a part of the team. And it wasn't, you know, he wasn't complaining. He didn't make a big deal about it. The coach found out about it late in the summer and found out, like, Wolfgang, what are you doing? He says, somebody can give you a ride. He didn't want to impose. 
that he was, he was just, you know, he just wanted to be a part of the team that badly. And so they got him a, got him a bike at the end of that summer. Well, so this is a year later and he's a senior and he was telling me the story. I'm like, this is awesome. And he and his father were still at the homeless shelter there in Woodstock. And so I, I, I got to talk to them. I got to talk to coach Schroeder. I talked, I talked to the principal and that was that story got as much reaction as anything I've ever written. The morning it appeared in the paper, it was a Sunday morning. A lady opened up a GoFundMe page for them and I think wound up giving uh, Wolfgang and his father, Wilbur, like 13 grand. That's awesome. Some, a man up in Hebron had an old Crown Vic. He says it doesn't, it doesn't look like that much, but it still runs great. He put new tires on it. He gave it to Wolfgang. Uh, one of the area coaches, one of the a retired area football coach heard about it, heard about him giving him the car and paid his insurance for the first year. And, and just all these people reaching out were so moved by Wolfgang's story and so inspired by what he did. And it was just it was awesome. And it was, I, I just felt so privileged to be able to write and share that story. That was one of those where as I'm just going through and I'm, I'm hearing what people are saying about him. I'm talking to Wolfgang and talking to you know, the principal and stuff. That was one of those, Matt, where I was just like, this is gold. Don't screw this up. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing all that. That's it an was, awesome it, story. It was really fun. And, and I don't mean to beat my own drum, but uh, I did get, and I kind of knew that I was like, man, this is, this is good contest stuff. And I, I think I, I won a couple, uh, okay. one, you know, a state award and maybe a, a, a APSE for, mm. uh, for that story. But, you know, it was just, that was one of those kind of one in a lifetime stories you get to tell. It was, it, it was really fun to put that together and write it. I have one last thing for you, a little bit lighter. Uh, I've done my fair share of McDonald's writing over the years uh, <laughs> where you, you have to write on deadline and I end up in a local uh, West Branch, Iowa McDonald's or wherever it was. Uh, where are some of the more quirky places that you've turned something in on deadline? Oh man, McDonald's, mm -hmm. Panera. Um, you know, I used to pull up to, used to just pull up to hotels and okay. pull up in a hotel parking lot and grab some, you know, anymore. I just do it in my car. I put, make my phone, my hotspot and just, uh, and just sit there and write in my car. So, Got you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when you think of when I started in this business in Macomb, if I was on the road and I couldn't get back to the office and this sounds like the stone ages, I would <laughs> actually write out a story longhand on a yellow pad and have to read it to somebody in the office. And let me tell you, that was not fun on either end. It was right. terrible to have to sit there and read every punctuation mark for this person to type in. And it was worse for the person on the other end taking that and having to type all that in. It was, it was horrible. Now I just go sit in my car and, you know, type out my, uh, type out my quotes real quick, do my stats. And I, I can have my football story 
back to the office, you know, within an hour after the game's done. Yeah, a little bit of a football late night routine there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I've I've done the McDonald's thing many times, and um, I, I've you know it's funny because some people might have trouble with it. I've done it so long now, I can block out because uh, you know what do you get in McDonald's on a Friday night after football? High school kids, and right. they're they're not always going to be real quiet because there's a lot of high school kids in there. But I I can block all that out. It doesn't bother me a bit. I, I've, I'm, I'm tunnel visioned on, you know, the task at hand. You got good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can block all that stuff out. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, and a couple of McDoubles and a and a Coke doesn't hurt either. I guess. <laughs> I get. I like their. Uh, I like their parfaits. I always get their parfaits. There you go. There you go. Everybody loves parfaits. <laughs> all right, Joe. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you, Matt. It was, it was a good time. I, I really appreciate you thinking of me. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. For Joe Stevenson, I'm Matt Cozy. This is Eavesdrop.